Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy basketball tools and analysis on the entire internet. Seriously, like, we've been doing, this is, I, this is like show 300 and something, uh, Hashtag Basketball has been sponsoring the show. If you listen to the show and you haven't been to the website, I'm, I'm not even mad, I'm impressed, really. But if if that is the case, though, today should be the day. Go to hashtag basketball.com. Check them out. I'm your host. Back from scouting all the new European talent. Talent. I'm your host, Mike Hatron. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, who's actually watching the Summer League, Tyler P. Watts. What's up, Tyler? So it's an always an interesting time this time of year. I'll, I'll, I'll save my question for a minute. Um, oh. Because okay. I'm I'm watching the summer league, but then I'm also trying to like get a, a little bit of a jump start on the next draft class, and so you're watching that grainy high school footage and that like this guy play 12 minutes in the Euro League because he can't play any more than that because he's 18 years old, and so um, yeah, it's always just a strange time um, as far as that stuff goes. But Mike, I feel like I should just give you the floor here to talk about your bowls, maybe. Only the Bulls. Huh. Only Chicago Bulls. Only the Bulls. You know the so, song, Tyler? Wait, this is this the one? question, though. This Only is the question. The are you on the bandwagon hashtag Bulls back? Bulls are back? Or are you skeptical? Because I am perhaps skeptical of this Bulls team. No, hashtag Bulls forever. Uh, hashtag we back again. Hashtag uh, 90s Bulls dynasty part two. Uh, yeah, that's a little too far. No, I'm excited about this team. Come on. Uh, you have to... Uh, uh, oh, they're going to be fun. They're going to be super yeah. fun to watch. But Come into the mindset of the Chicago Bulls fan. Come with me, Tyler. Follow me along. They're not uh, good, though. They are not bad. And they are actually... I would say they are good. Are they great? Are they champions? Are they title contenders? I don't think so. Because uh, I don't even know, I don't know who's on the team the after the I don't know even who's on the team after. Well, the, that's the big who's issue. Their seventh player. That's the big issue is they have a good starting five and Kobe White and Alice Caruso and that's it. Yep. And that's the biggest I mean giant red flag. But put it into a different perspective. Come in to the you gotta if you haven't heard the only the Bulls song Tyler I go out to the, I'm gonna put it in. I feel like that. I feel like that is a. Do we still play that? Like that's oh, so old. Do we still play it in in the city of Chicago, Tyler? Yes, of course. It's um, it's a it's a legendary song. It brings the it gets the people going. Of course, we play that song. So. But think about it like this. Think about the era. Think about the era of Garpax, and think about how that era literally had multiple years of Jim Boylan as the coach where they didn't do anything they didn't spend any money they didn't go after any type of players this legitimately is a complete 180 to that era going out getting lonzo ball obviously that trade was probably something that we it's something we heard about back in march um i think they were pretty much had that in the books which apparently the league is going to investigate and what i say to that is say fuck off fuck right off league I don't need this bullshit. Uh, Lonzo Ball, fair and square. That uh, we, he's on the team now. That that trade was official. 
Uh, but then they go out and certainly overpay DeMar DeRozan. But it's better than, I don't know, literally doing nothing and acting like, uh, I don't know, acting like Christiana Felicio is worth $85 million. So, you know what? Let oh, I love, fan I have, love the have. moves for from the perspective of, like, they're fun and they're interesting. And I'm excited to watch them for the first time in a while. And have you seen the Eastern Conference? Have you seen the Eastern Conference lately? It's um, bad. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. Um, are they a good defensive team, an average defensive team, or a bad defensive team? I'm going with bad. I'm going to go with average, maybe a little below average, because what what is average in uh, the NBA now is probably bad. So um, on any given night, Lonzo, a, a fantastic perimeter defender, Caruso, also a very good perimeter defender, um, is going to basically have to carry the load. Uh, and Pat Williams is shaping up to be an incredible defender. Um, well, that's what they need. Defender. And for, he, this, yeah. for this team to be good or like even like competing for the top four in the East, I think they need Pat Williams to take a big step forward, especially on the defensive end, and be like a stopper. Rim protection is going to be the key there with Pat Williams, and I, I'm not sure he's big enough. Uh, and rim protection will probably eventually kill – the uh, the Bulls. I really don't know why they got rid of Daniel Theus. That actually really confused me. This uh, is the, good. The Rockets paid him very handsomely. We it was a sign and trade. Yeah, and I think they just let him go because he literally got like ten million a year from the Rockets. Good for him. Which is good money. Dennis Schroeder just signed with the Celtics. As you were talking, that makes oh. you feel better. It does not make me feel any better. Um, fuck the Celtics. The um, the, I'm excited about the Bulls season. I'm excited to go to uh NBA game finally, uh, eventually, hopefully. Um, and I think that team is a lot of fun, and I actually do think they all. I I do think that's a really nice fit. I think DeRozan, Zach, and Lonzo. That is a nice fit offensively, and defensively they need some help. And that's really the question is how good of an offensive team are they and how bad of a defensive team are they? If they're average and they're, if they're like top five on offense and average on defense, they're going to be really good. If they're barely in the top 10 or outside the top 10 on offense and they're bad on defense, then this thing could blow up fast. Yeah. Well, I like that DeRozan is like the third wheel offensively. Lonzo spreads the floor out. Um, I, I really like that. And so Bulls and six over the Celtics in the first round, uh, four or five game. Um, f- suck a dick, Celtics. Bulls forever. Hashtag Bulls forever. Let's do it. Well, since this is not a Bulls podcast, Tyler, um, even though I appreciate you letting me get my Bulls uh, takes out of my system. Uh, this is allegedly a fantasy basketball podcast. And even though it is the off season, it is the on season for fantasy basketball. This is like prime time. We had the draft free agency opened. Uh, and then for some reason I thought it'd be a good idea to take two weeks off during that time uh, and disappear to uh, Portugal, which is beautiful, uh, gorgeous country Tyler. You should visit Portugal sometime. Uh, great food, great people, great wine in Portugal. Huh. I've never been to Portugal. Um, uh, 
Yeah, it's. Uh, I think a lot of people don't think about Portugal uh, hardly at all, and they should because the the people are very cool. Culture is very cool. Um, it's a beautiful place. It's it's, it's very nice. Um, I I'm glad I got the opportunity to go, but of course missed the draft and the beginning of free agency. So we are going to have to pick up the pace. Um, and let's talk about the rookies. Let's talk about the draft. It was a very interesting draft. Uh, and Tyler, you kind of said this uh, a few podcasts ago, is that looking forward to this rookie class, there's some pretty stellar names, uh, potentially some all-star talent in this draft. But then after that, do we really have that deep of a draft at all? Because last year, a lot of those uh, random rookies in the middle and late first round ended up being very important players on teams. And I'm not sure I'm getting the same vibe from this year's draft. Definitely not. I mean, there's some guys in that second round that'll eventually become, you know, good rotation players and maybe even starters. Like that happens every year. I just think this class, especially from like maybe even as high as like 10 or 11 down, it's just not as strong as a lot of other ones we've seen. And like, it's a lot of these guys end up kind of washing out. I would not be super, super shocked. Like there's also a lot of like risky players and or like players that are a little bit older. They got taken in that range. Like uh, Chris Duarte, for example, like, yeah, he might be a a good rotation player this season, but he's 24 years old. Mm. He's literally like, eight months younger than Devin Booker, who's entering his seventh NBA season. Yeah, he's older than half the league, I think, at this point. Since the league is, is, is starting to skew pretty pretty young with all the ridiculous uh, talent that has come in over the last, like, three to four years. He seems to be older than all of the guys who are two to three years uh, uh, senior in the league, I guess. Yeah, and so, like, it's just a strange class. Like, it's it's – Obviously, there's some stars at the top. Like, this top five might have been the best top five that there's been in a long time. Mm -hmm. But then after that, like, there's a lot of question marks. And even, like, Josh Giddy, who went at six, like, I'm pretty high on Josh Giddy, and I think he's going to be a good player. But, like, there is some potential that he's kind of flames out. Certainly. Um, I don't think anything's really guaranteed. And normally when it comes to fantasy basketball, when it comes to rookies – uh, our mantra is to is, is quite frankly to stay away. Um, we don't often recommend drafting rookies for two reasons. One, rookies rarely uh, take the league by storm. Now there have been more exceptions to that rule in uh, the last like five to six years than uh, the normal, but still, here's, here's it's good, rare. Yeah, and here's the the positive for anyone looking for a positive in drafting a rookie, especially in like even a one-year fantasy league is all of the top five picks, which are the only people I would be looking at pretty much in a standard fantasy league, all went to teams that are for lack of a better term rebuilding. And so they all should, yeah, they all should get plenty of opportunities to play minutes and do things that matter in fantasy. I, I do think that out of those top five, there is a small but better chance than normal for them all to be fantasy relevant this season, uh, which is very, I think, very rare to have even um, that many players fantasy relevant, though I think uh, last year's rookies might have might have uh, changed that 
<laughs> let me go. I have to go check. But uh, yeah, I think um, the other reason we often avoid or end up telling people to avoid drafting rookies is because name recognition kills draft value. And because everyone gets excited about the new rookies, the number one overall pick, the fact that they're going to be uh, playing a bunch on whatever team they got drafted to, their names are up in front of your face, uh, making you making that player more valuable than they actually are. And often people will just straight up overlook guys like, you know, Dantas Sabonis or, um, you know, Fred Van Fleet, and they'll take Evan Mobley. And that's a terrible idea. Well, yeah, and it's it's the the age old thing of like we we don't know what this person's gonna be, right? But he could be great. But he could, could even also, be a car, right? The boats, the boxes, uh, the boats a boat, but the box could be anything. It could even yeah. be a boat. You know how much we wanted one of those, right? That's the yeah. famous Family Guy line. Like, yeah, so that's real. Um, I will say this. Um, last year, Lamelo Ball finished sixty fourth in per game value. Um, now he okay. only played fifty one games. His fantasy pros average ADP was 69th. So he actually did beat it by a little bit. Um, especially in Yahoo leagues, he was going 96th overall. Wow. Really? So, um, I think we were both pleasantly surprised with uh, Lamelo's ability um, so quickly to come out of the gate and put together, even in limited minutes, um, some decent fancy uh, stat lines, specifically, um, basically almost averaging six rebounds and six assists with 1.6 steals. So it's like, wow, like uh, certainly wasn't expecting that out the gate. If that's where his um, floor is, because usually that rookie, good rookies, that is their floor. Uh, this guy's going to be pretty good. Yes. And so again, like, but again, that's an outlier thing. Like most rookies, unless they're um, elite players don't outperform their draft position. Cause they just get more name recognition. Like, I mean, well, let's put it this way. Okay. Cade Cunningham's probably the guy you want first in any kind of draft you're doing for rookies. Absolutely. I think that's um, a no brainer um, by a lot. Like I think, the reason he was number one pick is that he is good enough to be not just a number one pick, but a guy who is an all-star within um, the first five seasons of his career. Yeah. And he's a lead ball handler. Like he's big, he's six foot eight, but he can handle the ball. He draws a lot of comparisons to Luca. I mean, I don't know. That's a high bar to get to. Um, But again, like the field goal percentage is not going to be great, but there's a potential that he gives you good rebounds, good assists, good steals, scores enough hit some threes he's a good three-point shooter um but again like where is he going to be picked is the question like in a standard league if it's just a one year do i want him in the top 50 do i want him in the top 60 do i want him in the top 70 like if he's going maybe in that like 70 to 75 range okay like you might take a shot on him just because you feel like he's got more upside than anybody else but the chances of him finishing there are not great yeah, if you're in a if you're in a dynasty league and you're looking for number one pick there, to me it's it's definitely Cade. When it comes to those redraft leagues, uh, okay. So here's the question: It's okay. dynasty keep forever. Okay. 
No penalties. You just get the player. Okay. Um, just starting up. You can have any player in the league, including all the rookies. Where are you taking Cade Cunningham? Any player in the entire league. Yeah. So, you know, for the number one Ooh. pick, you can have anybody, That's a right? Much different, much different question. Um, this I think I think people always get like super hyped on these guys and like take K, like a Cade Cunningham type in the top five. Yeah. And here's and my like, pro- here's my I problem. I just think it's insane. Yes, it is insane. And we talk about this all the time. We we've been in dynasty leagues together where we have thirteen. You know, there's thirty teams in it, and we have twelve guys who all start on our team. And some of these teams have guys who are riding the bench and never end up playing because they're just a hot young rookie name, right? Um, so my you know, where I'm going to take Kate Cunningham is going to be lower than I would say the average dynasty drafter. Um, and I would probably take him in the 30 to 35 range. Because I, because I, I, want, got- da- I want Damian Lillard over Kate Cunningham because Damian Lillard is already Dame, Dame Lillard. Yeah. And then like, I mean, there's even a bunch of guys there. Like Shea Gilgis is still young. Yeah, like, if you're gonna take someone young, like get someone who's already been good. And that's not to say that Kate Cunningham's not gonna be good because I think he's gonna be great. But like, give me Shea Gilgis, give me you know so many of these guys that are like they're not old. Yeah, just take him. He's ready now. You think people are tired of like Jason Tatum and Bam Adebayo? Those guys are under 25 years old. Like, right? Just crazy. Nikola Jokic is 26. Like, there's so many dudes who are so good who are so young in this league. Uh, but straight like straight up, I like. I mean, Bradley Beal's a top, you know, fifteen player right now, and he will be a top fifteen player next year. Zach Levine will be a probably top twenty five player for the next five six years. That's value. Um, Kate Cunningham maybe never becomes a top twenty five player. Right, and that's the part that I think people miss out on. Um, not to not the crap on Kate Cunningham because I think he's going to be really good and. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he is a top 20 player in, you know, three or four years. Rookie year though, like you're saying, what do you, what are you looking at uh, from a, a stat wise? You could, you think if you're in a, let's say a league of, uh, of Tyler's, where are you taking Cade Cunningham and in, in your, in your redraft league? Well, like I said, I think it's like at that point where we get to like 75 and everyone's kind of in a clump and you're like, yeah, all these guys are kind of all just whatever. Like, you know, we're looking at like names like Kelly Olynyk and DeJounte Murray and Kyle Anderson and Buddy Heald and like all these guys. And you're like, okay, well, they're all fine. These Cade Cunningham has some upside. So probably around that 75 pick, I'll be looking for Cade Cunningham. I wouldn't be surprised if he's already gone. Um, yeah. What is now, that? And if you really feel strongly about him um, reaching up, Here's my question on Kate Cunningham. Okay. And I'm not sure you can answer this. Probably not. Do they let him be the lead ball handler or are they committed to Killian Hayes, also seventh overall pick in 2020, being the point guard and lead ball handler? Because that arguably did not go well at all last year. Yeah. um, I think for the simple fact that Kate Cunningham, number one overall picks, probably the only reason people would even watch a Detroit Pistons game. I, I mean, quite frankly, I don't think I watched more than 10 minutes of Detroit basketball last year. Um, I certainly will watch more than that this year. 
I think they're going to have, I, I think if it's not immediately, it will be within the first few weeks. They'll just go. It's, yep. It's kind of the Luca Dennis Smith Jr. thing. I think like, yep. Oh, what are like, we going to do? It's like, Oh, never mind. Uh, Luca's way better. Okay. Give it, just give it the ball. So then again, like the stat line at the end of the year probably reads something like, uh, well, the points are a good question. I'm not sure mm. about the points. Yeah. Because I'm assuming Jeremy Grant's going to be their number one scorer, right? Yes. So, so then he's probably the number two, but he still probably gets you like 18 a night. Like they just don't got anyone to score on his team. He might even be closer to 20. Then you're probably if talking. He's taken t- if he's got a lot, if he's taking a lot of shots, 20 is reasonable. That's what I mean. And then you're talking probably like six rebounds, like five, six assists, probably like a steal. I think that's what I question. I actually question the assists. So that Oklahoma State team, right? He'll average three and a half assists a game last year, but that Oklahoma State team did not really have any shooters or spacers. And they did not really have a ton of NBA talent. That's true. Yeah, it's still. But again, the Pistons, like, who's spacing the floor for him on the Pistons? Sadiq Bay. Okay, that's one person. (laughs) Uh, Dumboya. That's what I mean. Like, there's some. Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes can't shoot. Like, what I mean. Like, there's a lot of guys that you're going like, uh, this guy. Demarco Pickett. Yeah. And so that's the question is like, yes, the spacing was not great at Oklahoma State, but the Pistons have like Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bey who can space the floor for him. But I mean, Killian Hayes shot 27.8% last year from three-point range. Yeah, they uh, they also, uh, they suck and they will continue to be absolute garbage, I think, for a while. But um, I would wager Kate has the best fantasy stat line out of any of the rookies this year his thing is and this is this is why it will be he can score and handle the ball and he's going to rebound well and his defensive stats in college at least were good jalen green is going to be more of a scorer than a facilitator sure yes like and that and that you'll jalen green will get his right but what else will he do yeah, and that's that's a big question. And we've we've ran into a lot of those guys in the past. You know, is he uh, going to be, be better than I don't know Terrence Ross? Maybe. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm actually really kind of worried about his fantasy value. Like he's probably a, a stay away pick for me, especially in a redraft league, just because like even if he's getting you like 16, 17, 18 points a game next year, like what else is he doing to help you? Maybe threes. Maybe steals. Maybe. It's probably about it. Maybe threes. Um, we're going to have to see. And I think this is also a guy in a, in that, you know, dynasty keep forever league. Like I don't even want him in the top 50. I don't even keep going. That's what I mean. Like if it's like, again, like it's more like the, the whole like redraft thing for me like if it gets to like 75 in a dynasty keep forever league like okay i might take him just because like he's got some upside and he's got the upside to like grow as a ball handler and and grow as you know gives to more rebounds and just become like a good fantasy player but i think it's going to be a rough couple years of just like him being kind of an empty stats scorer type tyler 
I have a question for you. If you could only draft one more player in this draft for a redraft league or a, or a dynasty league, let's do both, who would it be? For a redraft league? Other than top two? Yes. I mean, I, I, would you draft anyone over Jalen Green? No. Probably not. Not Jalen Suggs? Maybe. Jalen Suggs would be de- Jalen Suggs would be the person I'd draft just because I think Jalen Suggs is probably a little more ready than Mobley and Scotty Barnes, and yeah. I feel like Jalen Suggs has got a, a little bit better fantasy game. I am semi interested in Jalen Suggs next year for you, when we you know how we always get to the time that- of the year right where it's the weirds. Uh, it's February and teams start tanking and other guys start showing up and playing a lot more minutes. Uh, Jalen Suggs is on my radar as a potential um, guy who could come out of the woodwork and be a, a point guard level, getting I don't you know assists, that, getting you rebounds. Do we want to draft him though with the f- saying they have Cole Anthony and Marco Fultz already on the team that they could potentially give more minutes to at the beginning of the season at least? At the beginning of the season, not not outside your last one or two picks, no. Yeah, and that's kind of how I'm feeling. Unless, like, we know he's starting and playing big minutes. Because this could be a, a scenario that you see a lot where, like, okay, he's – like, LaMelo was last year. And LaMelo, like, kind of got that starting role relatively quickly. But had they done what a lot of teams do, which is, like, wait till the All-Star break, like, LaMelo would not have been – anywhere near as good a fantasy option as he was yeah absolutely not um so i think that will be there'll be Jalen's uh Suggs is, the, is the one rookie out you know outside of Cade that i'm keeping an eye on like Jalen green i will be good or whatever but like i don't i feel like i'm not going to be terribly surprised with the stat lines he's going to be giving me Jalen Suggs, on the other hand i feel like could show up and do some interesting things um what do you think about evan mobley you know, bigs actually as rookies sometimes fare pretty well. Yeah, I, I just think Mobley's really skinny, and so it's he's gonna take some time. I think I think he's gonna take some time to to be good. But again, he's a good rebounder and shot blocker. Did some passing, which you like to see at USC. Um, I don't know that he's gonna be a big time scorer though either, which is a bit of a problem for fantasy. Like now, could he be? In five years, could he be Miles Turner? Maybe, maybe. Potentially, um, that would be, uh, I guess, probably your your ceiling. Yeah. And if that's the case, in a in a dynasty league, I might be a little bit more inclined to lean towards an Evan Mobley over a Jalen Green. Yeah, I don't hate that. I'd probably go Green. Then I'd probably go. Mobley. Then I might even I might and then I'm gonna go Suggs. Then I'm gonna go Scotty Barnes. I feel like Scotty Barnes is one yes. of those players that like he could give you the one one and one like have the good defensive stats that would really help you in fantasy. Um, get some rebounds, get some assists. He's not a big time scorer though either. What is what is Toronto? What's up with Toronto drafting the same guy? So they got Pascal Siakam, they got Ogina Nobi, now they got Scotty Barnes. They just got an archetype, I guess, that they really like, man. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Uh, uh, Pascal Siakam, OG, and Anobi are uh, standard league, very good standard league players. 
uh, Scotty Barnes could be one of those next, you know, in a few years, because OG wasn't a, a quote unquote good fancy player his first year out. Could be one of those pretty good fancy players, one of those maybe the first, your, your first plateau tier uh, type player for, you know, maybe a decent amount of his career in the, in the long term. Yeah, and the thing is, Barnes doesn't have a great three-point shot yet, and so that's something that they're going to have to to help him find. Um, but you mentioned it; like Siakam is ranked forty-sixth, and OG Ananobi is ranked was ranked fifty-seventh last year. So they have experience in building this archetype of player. Yep, he's got the long arms, the huge wingspan. He's a good defender. He can get those uh, steals and blocks. Um, I think when you are capable of being a steal block guy. Your fancy value is much more interesting, and, and, and certainly your ceiling gets a little bit, um, a little bit higher than if you can just score and shoot threes. You can also be kind of a mid-tier player as well, but if that's all you're doing, you don't have a lot of room for your your, your ceiling's lower than a guy who's starting out with just being like pretty okay at things but a great steel block guy who gets better at assists who gets better at rebounding well who gets better at scoring there's room to grow there oh for sure let's look at these some of these other rookies i think one of the rookies that's gonna come up you're gonna see this you're gonna see this guy get drafted tyler 100 chance you're gonna see this guy get drafted he's already having a very decent summer league trey murphy the third he's got a cool name Trey Trey. I'm going to call him Trey Trey. Um, what's actually, I was going to say, what's his role on the Pelicans, but it actually might be a pretty decent role on the Pelicans. The more I think about that roster, the Pelicans had the, this, maybe the strangest offseason of any team. Yes. Um, they need shooters. Murphy played three years of college ball. He shot 40, 40.1% over the three years combined. Um, but again, like, I'll read you his stat line from the University of Virginia last season. Are you ready for this? Okay, I didn't know we were st- uh, Virginia was still a state, but that's cool. Let's go. Let's hear it. Okay, 11.3 points. Okay. 3.4 rebounds. That's a number. 1.2 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.4 blocks, 2.1 three-pointers made. Now the percentages were very good, 50.3 and 92.7. Again, on that, there you go. On both, you said something I liked though. The percentages were very good, so smart shot taker, the guy, good the guy, shot taker. In 30 minutes in college, he took 7.6 field goals a game. Like, if anyone's thinking this guy is going to come into the league and be a standard league option as a rookie, he was not a standard league option using his college stats. That's fair. Sometimes, though, and I, I think you'll agree with this, Tyler. Sometimes, guys, especially these kind of like um, positionless-esque type players, get into a system in college with a rigid coach who doesn't understand that they should be playing through their best players. Instead, they're running some sort of Princeton offense that makes you uh, want to shoot yourself because it's so fucking boring to watch. Is Trey Murphy a victim of a bad college system because simply for the fact he did not go to a star-studded basketball program? 
Well, and he spent the first two years of his college career at Rice. So, I mean, let's just say that. Um, well, I actually really like that fact because that shows this guy is constantly improving, trying to work on his game, trying to get better, trying to get better. I think that's actually a benefit versus uh, some, some people might actually think that's like, oh, well, he wasn't recruited out of high school. He's not going to be a superstar. There's so many dudes in the league, all stars, who uh, were not the top of their, their class, not even close. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just think there's not going to be enough defensive stats for this guy to really do much as a fantasy option. I think he's going to be a threes guy, and there's not going to be a ton of assists either because they're not going to want him handling the ball. So I think that's going to be an issue, the assists. I think he'll be a decent rebounder guy. Right, and that's fine, but he's going to be, like, rebounds. And then, like, the points. Like, is he's not going to be a plus points guy. No. Like, if he gets, like, 12 or 13, like, that's probably about where he's going to be. And then... Unless so he becomes like a sharpshooter of some sort. Yeah, and the Pelicans just need like shooting, and they're going to be one of the worst defensive teams in the league again. Like, they arguably got worse on defense with the moves that they made and not better. So, and maybe they're just going to play super fast and try to run and gun, and like he becomes kind of a, a big time three point shooter. But I don't know. I'm just not super interested in him for next year in a standard league for sure. Okay, we talked about the Jalen's. We talked about Evan Mobley and Cade. We talked about Scotty Barnes. And now we've talked about Trey. After that, who stands out from a, I guess at this point, because I don't think I'll be drafting half of those guys in a, in a regular league, who stands out for you as someone who is very versed in these rookies, uh, as someone who is uh, a keep an eye on potentially second half of the season type of breakout player? Um, I think it's Josh Giddy, probably. He, like, he just, a, he's going to be a point guard. And so he's going to get you some assists. He's going to get you, he's big. So he's going to get you some rebounds. Um, the steals are a question mark. But again, like, he's just the type of guy that, like, if they're going to let him be the lead ball handler, he's on the right team. Right. And that's what I mean. The Thunder, like, are not going for anything. So I feel like he's a guy who could potentially find his way into standard league value. Another guy I like a lot is Davion Mitchell, but like, it's the Kings and they have three guards that I would assume are going to play over him right now. So unless they're going to trade buddy healed at some point, I don't know how many minutes that guy can possibly get. Well, they certainly should trade uh, buddy healed, but still, even if they do that, he's buried in the death chart. So I'm not sure, not sure where he goes or when he becomes something interesting. Yeah, and that's the issue. And, and again, like at some point, the Kings gotta gotta solve that glut. But again, like he's a guy in, a, in like a dynasty rookie draft. Like I'd rather have Davian Mitchell than, well, I, honestly, I have him maybe even sixth on my board, but probably seventh behind Josh Giddy. There you go. So let's say Tyler, you do have a dynasty board. Uh, what is your dynasty board? Uh, well, what do you want now? Top 10? I'll give you the yeah, top let's, 10. Let's, let's, run, let's run through this top 10. Let's, let's give the people what they want. They're here, uh, hopefully, for fantasy basketball. Some of these lunatics are in their, their, their 22nd dynasty league that they're starting up uh, again. Um, I, I applaud anyone who's in a dynasty league that's uh, lasted more than like four or five years because um, I've never I've never really found the right group of people to be in a dynasty league with. And I also think part of that is me personally. Dynasty leagues are uh, take a very different, um, and in in some cases a lot more fun look um, at at, at fantasy basketball. 
and um, maybe my limit is four or five years, Tyler. I don't know about you. I think a lot of it too is just like the ones where you can keep the guy forever with like no penalty, just like it gets stale. Exactly. Whereas like you got to have some way to like turn over the rosters too. And I think that's an important part of any, and I understand that's not like a true dynasty league, but I think that's just an important part of any fantasy league is like the draft's one of the most fun parts. And so yeah. if the draft is literally only like just rookies, it's just like, it's so. That's so boring as hell. Yeah. We have, I've been, um, God, I think we might be in our 12th year of a, of a keeper league. And um, we do have the ability to keep players, but there is a penalty. Uh, it is an auction league because we're adults and uh we don't do we don't do snake drafts and um there is a financial penalty and we've also written at the uh the ability to uh, what we call restricted free agency where the uh, other teams vote for the player they want to re-enter into a blind bidding draft for which the owning the player who owns that free uh, that restricted free agent can match that high bid and keep the player. Oh, this is like a, this is a cool little wrinkle. I, I'm actually a fan of this. It's very fun. It's very fun because obviously, like you said, the draft is the best part. You could throw them back in the draft, but how about you just do some blind bids and see what kind of lunacy comes out of people's uh, rankings in a vacuum. It's very, very fun and often re- results in someone paying like 25 extra dollars for a player that uh, has no business making that much money. Fair. This seems fun. Okay. Um, so back to my top 10. I'd go Cunningham. I'd yep. go Green. Okay. Um, it, it would depend on what my team looked like from that point on in some cases, right? Like if I'm going for it sooner, if I'm kind of totally fair. rebuilding – um, but just let's just say in general league, I'd probably go for Mobley next. Then I'd go for Suggs. Then I'd go for Scotty Barnes, uh, Josh Giddy sixth, Davion Mitchell seventh. Okay. Now I think is where this gets super interesting and you could have a lot, a lot, a lot of different players. A lot of these guys might not be in the league much longer. Some of these, one, some of these, one of these guys might actually uh, work his way up into a, you know, like a semi-starting role. Right. And so next up, um, I'd probably go for Book Knight, but again, he's just going to be like a scorer type. So if you're punting points, do not pick him. He's going to be like a sixth man scorer type, I think, with a little bit of assist and some okay rebounds maybe for a guard. And so you got to know your team too. Yep. Um, but he would probably be eighth. I think I'm going to go Jonathan Kaminga ninth. He's going to be bad for a couple of years, I think, and not going to be worth anything in fantasy, but he has the most upside of anybody left. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And then probably 10th. Um, well, I'll give you 11 names. If you need a guard, I'd go for Moses Moody. If you're going for a big man, I'd go for Alperin Singun. I just feel like Singun is a guy who's going to get rebounds. He's going to protect the rim and he's going to score a little bit. And so like he may turn into uh, a Zach Randolph type, but again, like that's going to have some fantasy value for a while. Some of these other guys maybe are out of the league and, couple years yeah i was wondering if you're gonna have Sagoon on your on your list and you certainly did uh i i, I think i have uh sugs a little bit higher than you uh Sagoon a little bit higher than you um i'm keeping an eye on trey murphy uh simply because results do matter um and you know i i, I don't know out of outside of that i might 
long, like longer term, I might be interested in Kai Jones, but like he does fall into the uh, who knows uh, if this guy's in the league in, in three years uh, type of player. Well, and that's it. And especially for fantasy. And this is why I'm not a huge fan of those like rookie drafts. And a lot of times um, if you're in a dynasty league with me, you'll see me trade the picks is like, do I really want to sit here and wait with you on my roster while you give me no production for two or three years? Yeah. When I could have, well, you mentioned him earlier, Terrence Ross, like Terrence Ross, good right now yeah and pretty good how easy is it to find if terrence ross retires or stops doing his 16 points and a couple rebounds and a couple assists and a steal and two threes how easy is it to find the next terrence ross super easy right you just go for somebody else like um so i'm much more into that just i don't want to wait for chris duarte or Josh Primo or somebody like that to become Terrence Ross when I could just have Terrence Ross and then probably have the Terrence Ross of five years from now in five years. And think about how long you've been sitting around waiting. Like think about the people who either like drafted or traded like Bull Bull, right? Like said, so, oh, LeVan Bull Bull. Now granted, Bull Bull had like five really cool, uh, crazy games at the end of, of last season. Um, but I guarantee you, uh, Joe Ingles, uh, someone would have traded Joe Ingles for Bull Bull, and Joe Ingles would have been very good for you for like the last X amount of time. Uh, Thaddeus Young, like who is good? Um, well, let's just <laughs> let's just let's just Jay do Washington. this. And this is maybe the the thing that we always should circle back to on this. And so I will just read you name name a draft class. What draft class do you want, Mike? Uh, let's do three years, uh, forty three years ago. So 2018, 2019, which one you want? 2018. Okay, 2018. This is the Luca draft. Okay. So let how many of this top 10 do you want in a fantasy league right now? Okay. Go. DeAndre Ayton. Yes. Marvin Bagley. Uh, no. <laughs> Luka Doncic. Certainly. Jaron Jackson. Maybe. Trey Young. F- for sure. Mo Bamba. Uh definitely not. Wendell Carter. Uh, yeah. Colin Sexton. Yes. Kevin Knox. Absolutely not. Mikel Bridges. Uh, uh, sometimes. That's what I mean. And you picked a good. You picked a good year. That was a good year. Literally- no, you're right. That's that was a good year. I'm actually kind of impressed by this draft because uh, I haven't I mean. really. Re- but then you keep going down a little bit. It's Shea Gill just as the next person, which you want. Miles yeah. Bridges, which you kind of want. Jerome Robinson. Do you want him? He was the 13th pick in 2018. I don't even know who that is. And then Michael Porter was 14th. And then Zaire. the next two were Troy Brown and Zaire Smith. Zaire Smith. Yeah. yeah. Not a bad draft class, by the way. Probably That's a, good one. a 19- much better draft class than uh, picked, this year. You should have picked 19 because 19, here's the top 10. How Let's many of it. these guys do you want in fantasy? Now, Grin, this was two drafts ago. Okay. Yeah, a while ago. Right. Zion and John Morant. Of course. RJ Barrett. Sure. DeAndre Hunter. Fuck no. Darius Garland. Uh, I love Darius Garland. Jared Culver. Uh, he's he's a big dump, big dump on the floor, in my opinion. <laughs> Kobe White. <laughs> Fantasy-wise, shout out to Jared Culver. <laughs> if you're listening, Jared Culver, I, you're, fantasy-wise, you're just not that good, sorry. Uh, Kobe, like, spot starter. Yeah. Jackson Hayes. No. Rory Hachimura. No. Cam Reddish. 
Oh God, no. Actually, you know what? I think I'm confusing Cam Reddish's big dump on the floor with Jared Culver's big dump on the floor. It's a bigger one. Yep. And so that's what I mean. Literally of this top 10 from 2019. So you've had already had these people have already played two full seasons. The guys you want from the top 10, there's literally five. Half the top 10 you want in a fantasy league. The other half you're going like, no, nah, I'm good. And that's much, that's much more normal of of a like statistically like that's just much more normal like you start going back even further and i think it just kind of is a little bit of a testament to like maybe teams are doing better homework they're doing better scouting um you know you go back to 2015 you have like jaleel okafer as the third pick 2017 it doesn't it's it's the same thing you don't want josh jackson right you don't want Frank Milikina. You don't want Dennis Smith Jr. You don't want Zach Collins in a, in a standard league. Yeah. Where is Jaleel Okafor? Does that anyone was, know? He's, he was in the league last year. Holy shit. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, he's a backup. He's been a backup big, actually, for a, a good bit here now. I've completely um, forgot about he him. Was he's, the he's Pistons. I've erased him out of my mind. He was on the Pistons last year. He was on the Pelicans two years before that. Shout out Jill Elkbro. Get the uh, keep it up, my guy. Do you remember after that first season how like some people in fantasy were anointing him as like the next great center? There is 17 and a half, seven and a block. Yeah, I remember him being like, wow, like uh didn't I actually didn't think he'd be that good, but there he is. You know, the stats don't lie. Um, this guy probably gonna be pretty good. I'm not and um yeah. Really, uh, really goes to show you like that Philly team, 15, 16, where he was, um, you know, putting up numbers, they were tanking. He that was helps bad. everybody, right? Yeah, he was bad after. And I think that's something you need to pay attention to, especially in the long term, especially when it comes to guys on these bad teams. And we talk about it all the time. If you are on the Houston Rockets, Dude, Ish you Smith are not as good as your stat line says you are. Ish Smith scored 14.7 points on that. I love, I, I remember Ish Smith having, uh, Ish Smith played fairly Dude, well. For Isaiah Cannon. Who's the guy I remember from a hot minute ago? Averaged oh, eleven a night, dude. Go, go him. Go. And Jeremy Grant was just chilling there on the bench, averaging nine point seven. If you had to bet OK City's roster this year versus that Philly uh, process team, who would you take? Wait, this one from twenty fifteen? Yes. I'd go for Oklahoma City because at least they got Shea Gilgis. <laughs> that is, br- it's a brutal team. The process was really nasty. Uh, so uh, so much so that the owners ganged up <laughs> against Philly to like oust their uh, <laughs> their GM. So so Oklahoma City has taken it to that on on steroids, and that's what people don't realize is like they have so many picks. And yes, they were in the playoffs in 2020 in the bubble. They were in the playoffs. They have literally traded every player not named Shea Gilgis Alexander for picks. Mm-hmm. They have four first round picks coming up in 2022, and they don't have four roster spots left to put a young player. So, so they've literally go. they have literally done the process on steroids, and now they're it's quickly coming to this head where like they're going to have to do something. And the question is, what is the something? And 
they have all these picks, but is a star player going to want to play there with all these young people? Like uh, my guess is no. And so like, I don't know how it ends for Oklahoma city. I can't figure out what the move is. What's the move, Mike? Yeah. I don't know because it's like, it's very, it's maybe eerily or sort of similar to um, the Zach, uh, the, the Zach Levine situation in in Chicago where there's this one guy who's very good who people might want to play with but why would you want to play with the rest of that team but Zach Levine is better than Shea Gillis Alexander today I don't know about tomorrow but today uh at least offensively Shea Gillis might be a better two-way player um in the short term even but like Wendell Carter Jr. wasn't bad. He was good enough to bring in a, you know, and a, and a pick to bring in Vujovic. And now you have, so like, there's, there's no one really on that Oklahoma city team where I'm like, yeah, that guy and a couple picks is going to bring you back an all-star. Well, and that's the gotta be the part of the plan too, right? Is to develop be. all these guys and then trade some of the guys with some of the picks for this stud. But the problem is like, Who's none that going to be guys, Darius Baisley? Like, who, that's what I mean, who, none of the guys are ready and you're getting to the point now where like, you're going to have to cut some of the guys you're trying to develop to get the new guys that you have in. And so I guess the only out, the only route that I can see that they go here, that they try to get out of it is they just like, we're going to offer these four first round picks that we have to move up to from third to first. But again, is that enough? Like, do people want pick three pick, 18 pick 19 and pick 22 for number one i think no. i'd rather just have number one yeah because where am i gonna where am i gonna put all those players on my team either well and, and <laughs> I got these guys I mean, under we contract. just talked about it like that was the top 10 we were talking about that half of them hit exactly what's it's what's the rate at 16 or 20 or 22 it's worse yeah and so i it's an interesting strategy. I'm interested to see if it pays off. Um, say what you want about Sam Presti. He's been a fantastic drafter in the sense that he picked four of the best players in the league. Yeah. During his time, right? He picked Kevin Durant. He picked Russell Westbrook. He picked James Harden. He picked yep. Serge Ibaka, who's been Very really good for a while. Like he's his track record of drafting. Yes. He's missed some guys, but I think at some of the places where he picked when the thunder were good, you have to take a swing and, the swing didn't always work out, but I don't know how he ends it here, but I'm fascinated by this team. I'm yeah, because you got to have both like Garpax. They were de- actually fairly decent at drafting uh, specifically in the later uh, first round, you know, like that 15 draft is Bobby Portis. Like Bobby Portis just won a championship. Uh, a lot of those guys, Taj Gibson still in the league. Uh, a lot of those later round guys, they were good at drafting. They did nothing else. They could not trade. They could not handle their assets. This feels like, you know, a, a similar situation where maybe there were some good draft picks in there, but shit, you're not handling your assets right. You're not making any trades. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. All right. Last question, Tyler, before we go. Worst Spurs pick 2015, Nikola Mutinov. At pick 26 or 2021, the shocker, Josh Primo at Alabama, your guy. Definitely Josh Primo. 
was the better pick. It was strange. It was shocking. Josh Primo's 18. He's got potential. He's three years away from being a couple years away, maybe. Um, maybe. He doesn't have the biggest wingspan either. Like, I, I, I just don't, I don't see what they see. But well, I guess also I don't work for the Spurs. So. He's generously listed at 190 pounds. Yes. Like, he's... I would guess 160, 170. Like I guess he he's super young. Yeah, he's 18, and he doesn't turn 19 until December. T- he's literally as young as you could possibly be. He could be seven days older, Yeah, and that that's it. You know what I mean? Or seven days younger, I guess. Nice shooter. Yeah, and showed some flashes, just like didn't get as much playing time as anyone hoped, and – Man, I don't know about this pick. It was a head scratcher on draft night. I had Primo kind of in that late first, early second round. It shocked me that they went for him. But again, this was a very much pick your horse draft after you got past that, you know, kind of top six, seven, eight, nine. Spurs clearly saw something they liked. Um, Greg Popovich knows more about basketball than I do. That's for sure. So maybe, maybe there's something here. Yeah, um, there certainly could. Let's put it this there way. There could be something. I would in a in that league we talked about where it's just rookie draft and it's just me drafting. I would probably now pick Josh Primo much higher than I would have. Of course, because you just feel like they're there. There's something invested when you pick someone in the lottery, and so you're going to give that person more chances than even someone you picked in the teens or twenties. And so he's just a little bit better bet to stick around in the league for a good bit. In um, the the age old, uh, I guess the age old adage is value is value. So Josh Primo suddenly getting uh, picked way higher by the Spurs by the Popovich. That value, even if he doesn't really play, that is a more valuable asset in a dynasty league than a lot of the other rookies so value is value is value even if he doesn't play even if he doesn't end up being good at all right now he has some value and that value might be higher than uh it ever becomes and so you know always think about what you can get from other players while you're drafting especially in these rookie drafts especially in these dynasty leagues especially with guys who just love rookies instead of terrence ross who's good yeah i'm with you there I think that's it, Tyler. Um, Tyler, what do you got going on? What do you what do you got to plug? Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler P. Watts. You can find anything you want to know about the Mavericks at the Smoking Cuban. Um, yeah, that should be about it. I mean, I've been writing a lot about Luca, and he got the, the super crazy super max extension. And, um, well, Luca might be underpaid at $207 million. That's a crazy thought, huh? Yeah. Wild, wild that anyone would say he's uh, now overpaid. You're uh, you're absolute moron. Um, also, Mark Cuban's got a lot of money too, so like it's also fine. Uh, everybody will be fine in the situation. Mark Cuban will make probably way more money off of Luca's contract than Luca's contract is worth. So shout out to the Dallas Mavericks, uh, continuing to be a, a very good um, ownership team. <laughs> there, like I've, I've, I, I need to go down to Dallas to a game one of these years. I'd love oh, to do that. Dallas is just a lot of fun right now. Let's not just face it. They're just a lot. Well, of fun. I think there'll be ample opportunity to get down there. Cause I think Luca's going to be there probably for his career, similar to Dirk. Uh, you can find me at watch the boxes on Twitter. You can follow us on Patreon, patreon.com slash watching the boxes. 
twitch.tv slash watching the boxes i will be doing mock drafts when the mock drafts open i might be playing some video games too um and i was thinking about i don't know maybe uh, maybe some sort of uh team by team series for twitch but uh, i'm just throwing around ideas but if you have any ideas or feedback please uh let us know hit us up on twitter leave feedback for the show and we appreciate you listening season shit the season started this is it tyler we're back at it it's it's always here fast it's always here too fast i hope you guys are ready we will see you soon <laughs> <laughs>